0: Very excited about beating him when we got him.
1: This is the Turn on the Jets podcast, presented by Prime Sport.
0: The clock is down to one. McCown gets it off. He's throwing long to the near side and for Anderson. Out. He's got it into the open field. Touchdown,
1: Jets. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. This week, we are joined by Eric Galco, who is the owner of Optimum Scouting to talk all things NFL Draft and New York Jets. Uh, he had some really interesting insights on this year's quarterback class who the Jets are likely considering with the third overall pick and the likelihood of a team leapfrogging them uh, into the giant spot with the second overall pick. Uh, we're going to get into that interview in a couple minutes. First, we want to talk a little bit about our sponsors and then I'm going to quickly recap some of the Jets second uh, wave signings and free agency. Easy to lose track of some of these things. Uh, once you get through the first week and all the more big name signings. So we'll touch on those real quick before we get into the interview want to remind you guys that this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport official sponsor and team partner of the New York Jets. Make sure to check out primesport.com slash turn on the jets for all of their hospitality and ticket packages. They will all be upcoming as the season gets closer uh, and the schedule gets released. They also have ta- uh, ticket packages around the NBA, NHL, MLB, and other sports that are going on again. That's primesport.com slash turn on the jets. Make sure to give them a follow on Twitter and on Facebook at Primesport. Our podcast is also brought to you by razor sport, That's R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T dot com. They are the best in the business when it comes to betting advice. Make sure to check out their members section. Sign up today at no cost to you. That's R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T dot com. Make sure to give them a follow on Twitter at Razor Sport Club. Got the NBA playoffs coming up. Got the NHL playoffs coming up. MLB in full swing. So again, make sure you check out Prime Sport. Make sure you check out Razor Sport. Primesport.com slash turn on the jets, Razorsport.com. Support our friends of the pod uh, so we can continue bringing you guys all of this content. I think uh, as we've been promoting out. Over the past couple days, we're really kind of aggregating everything into this Turn on the Jets digital podcast network. We're going to have Play Like a Jet uh, running every Friday. We're going to have Stick to the Jets, hosted by Connor Rogers, running every Monday. We're going to have Draft Season, hosted by Dalvin Asario and Joe Malfa, running every Tuesday. Uh, the Jet Take, hosted by Kyle Fahey and Ben Blessington, running every Wednesday. The Turn on the Jets pod will continue to run on Thursdays. Uh, and then we'll also have a couple more bonus podcasts on the Play Like a Jet. Jet feed over the next few weeks, doing breakdowns of all the top quarterbacks. We've already rolled out the episode on Josh Allen and Josh Rosen. We'll have one on Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield before draft night. So make sure you subscribe to not just the Turn on the Jets podcast, also the Jet Take podcast, the Play Like a Jet podcast, stick to the Jets podcast, and the Draft Season podcast. A lot of different podcasts have all the links on our website on the top menu if you click Turn on the Jets Turn on the Jets digital podcast network. We'll give you all the relevant iTunes links, Google Play links, Spotify links, Twitter handles, all that good stuff. So you know where to get all that audio content. All right. Very quickly, before we jump into our interview uh, with Eric on the NFL draft, want to run through the second wave free agent signings for the Jets. Um, As it's looking right now, uh, this is who they've moved This is who they've signed, I'm sorry. I'm just reacting to the news that the Patriots have traded wide receiver Brandon Cook to the Rams, which is uh – Pretty surprising thing, to say the least. I guess they won't be trading for Odell Beckham, but surprising to see the Patriots giving up on Cooks uh, after only one year, considering how young he is. Uh, They do have two first-round picks now, so it's going to be interesting to see what they plan to do with that. But maybe with the return of Julian Edelman, uh, they feel that they can go without Cooks, who was their primary deep threat last year. Surprising move, to say the least. All right. Back to the Jets' second wave. Free agent signings. Uh, They've added two inside linebackers, Kevin Pierre-Lewis and Neville Hewitt. Uh, Hewitt, I don't know if he's a guy who's ultimately going to make the roster. More of a bottom of the roster. uh, Training camp body addition from the Dolphins. Pierre-Lewis... Uh, is most known for his special team ability and his ability to potentially be a nickel or sub linebacker. I think he's a guy that you could see replace Avery Williamson frequently on passing downs, and he got a decent-sized contract for the Jets uh, multiple years, you know, put in a few million dollars towards a guy who hasn't played a ton so clearly i think they envision a bigger role for him uh, than just being a special teamer Uh, they also added outside linebacker uh, slash defensive end brandon copeland a guy who's probably more of a rotational player in that front seven especially since the jets haven't brought back coney Ely yet also another guy who's going to probably contribute on special teams which is going to be a reoccurring thing with any of your second wave free agent signings Uh, the jets also signed center travis swanson Uh, who spent time with the Lions over the past few years, does have a decent amount of starting experience, but was not very productive in that starting role. Uh, From everything you would read about him, he sounds basically like the Lions version of Wesley Johnson, which is ironic because I believe the Lions have actually signed Wesley Johnson to replace him. So I don't think Swanson's going to be pushing Spencer Long uh, for reps, but is more of a depth signing up front. The Jets have added two tight ends, Clive Warford and Bucky Hodges. Uh, I would say Warford of the two probably has a better chance of sticking on the roster, has you know played a decent amount of reps for the Raiders, known for his pass protection, is a big target in the middle of the field, but not someone who's going to be a full-time player. Hodge is an intriguing prospect. He's a recent sixth-round pick who hasn't taken a regular season snap yet, but has a kind of intriguing athletic profile, so I'm curious if he can make an impression in camp and find a way to stick on this roster. Obviously, tight end is wide open right now with those two guys, Jordan Leggett. Neil Sterling, uh, and who am I forgetting? Eric Tomlinson, of course. Ben Hartsock, 2.0. Uh, the Jets' primary blocking tight end. I also think you'll see plenty of Quincy Inouye at the h uh, The Jets also signed running back Thomas Rawls, who had a huge rookie year in 2015, uh, but has really dealt with injuries and slowed down a lot over the past two years. I don't think this signing in any way indicates that they're going to move on from Bilal Powell right away, but Rawls is a guy who could potentially contribute as an inside runner on early downs, but as of now, I would say he projects more to being a guy who carries the football a lot in the preseason, and then either gets traded at the end of the preseason or doesn't make the final 53, but maybe he can... um, Refine that 2015 form, and if he could, that'd be a really nice finding for the Jets. So, you know, no harm in taking a low cost flyer on him. Obviously, the Jets have also signed Terrell Pryor. This is a little bit more of a a well known move. Pryor is going to be a guy who brings a ton of size and a big catch radius, particularly in the red zone. Uh, I don't think he necessarily projects to walking in the starting lineup, particularly if Robbie Anderson isn't suspended and Quincy Inouye is healthy, but I think he's a good outside-the-numbers threat, a guy who was over 1,000 yards only two years ago for the Cleveland Browns, and considering the price that the Jets got him on, a logical target to add some depth to their group of receivers. Finally, the Jets added a new returner in Andre Roberts. Uh, he was the primary returner over uh, for the Falcons and Lions over the past couple of years, both on kicks and punts, and I think he will step into that role for the Jets. Jets here uh, I don't think he's going to play much at receiver but I think you should expect to see him be their primary kick returner and punt returner and he's a guy who has three return touchdowns since 2015 which is three times as many special teams touchdowns as the Jets have as an entire organization since 2015 so hopefully they have finally answered this glaring need for a returner and we don't have to deal with Jojo Natsen, uh bouncing around back there anymore. And we are now joined by our guest for this week. He is Eric Galko. He is at Optimum Scouting on Twitter. He is the owner of Optimum Scouting and the director of player personnel for At Your Call Football. He covers the NFL, covers the NFL draft. Eric, thank you for taking for taking the time for joining us this week.
0: I appreciate it, man. What's going on?
1: So let's start right off the top with what every Jet fan is, of course, the most curious about at this point. <laughs> How do you rank the quarterbacks uh, overall? I think there's been a lot of differences of opinion in how these top four or five quarterbacks go. How do you see them ranked maybe, let's say, one through five, one through six? And do you think five or six will ultimately end up going in the first round?
0: Yeah, our our top quarterback is kind of in a tier by himself, Sam Donald of USC. I know he's had a down year this year, some of the turnover issues – He has the potential to be just what Carson Wentz is in the NFL now. He looks like Jameis Winston, Andrew Luck. He's got that kind of aura of a prospect, and I think he'll be a great NFL quarterback, and he'll be a Cleveland Brown. I'd be shocked if he wasn't. That next year, number two and three, Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, very similar grades for us, very similar where we had Pat Mahomes a year ago, our top quarterback, in last year's draft class. So I think those two guys are both certainly worthy of first-round picks. And our four through six, four through seven quarterbacks are all very closely ranked. Number four, Richmond's Kyle Lauletta, the arm talent is a little bit of a question mark, but it looks a lot like Jimmy Garoppolo. Five is Lamar Jackson in the right situation. He might be the next Michael Vick, then Mike White and Mason Rudolph. And noticeably, Josh Allen is our eighth-ranked quarterback. And not to be a hot take, but a lot of quarterbacks like Josh Allen, historically, based on a lot of analytics, regardless of arm talent, have not worked out the NFL. So he is our eighth quarterback.
1: Listen, I mean, I I don't disagree with that assessment. I think a lot of people who follow our site are concerned about the Jets taking a guy like Allen within the top five. Do you think ultimately he right. will be a top five pick? And why do NFL teams continue to – I would say – everything that we've seen from an analytics standpoint, from a historical data standpoint would point towards Allen being more of a day two, day three guy rather than a top five guy. Yet it feels like he's going to be a top five guy. So why do NFL teams, why are they ignoring historical data and why are they ignoring what analytics (laughs) say about the risk of this pick?
0: Yeah, you mentioned analytics and I am, I'm not as well-versed as most NFL teams I talk to are in terms of what numbers really mean, whatever, but I'm getting better at it. But one that stands out, and actually I've talked to a team about this, and they they totally agree. You look historically over the last 20 years, quarterbacks with 600 pass attempts with 57% or less completion percentage. The best one of the last 20 years, which includes Kyle Bowler, Joey Harrington, a lot of first-round buzz, is Brian Hoyer. He's the best quarterback of that group. So historically saying if Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson are successful – it would be a major anomaly in the quarterback market. I think a lot of teams recognize that. And the way I would describe how Josh Allen is perceived around the NFL is the Cleveland Browns, maybe John Dorsey likes him. I'm not positive he does. But for the most part, the teams that like Josh Allen are the ones that have a strong head coach or offensive coordinator presence. Not necessarily the leader of that decision-making, but when a team gives more say to their offensive coordinator to make offensive decisions, such as drafting a quarterback, and that may be the case for new O.C. Jeremy Bates from New York, Those are the teams that like Josh Allen because coaches feel, show me the guy's best 25 plays, and I'll get him there. GMs and scouts feel that, hey, body of work, how's this guy going to project? They're more analytically focused and risk-averse focused. So I would say around the league, the feeling I've gotten is teams that have strong coordinators or head coach presences, they like Josh Allen. GMs don't. Do I think Josh Allen definitely goes in the top ten? I'd be surprised if he didn't. But most people I talk to, most area scouts I've spoken with, say thanks but no thanks on Josh Allen.
1: Looking at the planned approach with a lot of these rookie quarterbacks and if they should play right away or if they should have a redshirt year, if they should sit on the bench and watch, it's it's a pretty common debate that I think is being had right now among, among football fans where do you stand overall in terms of how quickly a rookie quarterback should play? And is there anyone that varies or stands out in this class as someone who really needs to sit on the bench for a few years or is really tailor-made to start day one? Or honestly, does it not matter? Because if you can't play in the NFL right now, why would sitting on a bench for a year and a half or two years make you more, that likely, make you more likely to become a successful starter at that point?
0: Yeah, I think it's a great discussion point because it's obviously it's very different for quarterbacks, but the way I've always looked at it, and this happens, you know, I talked to a team about this during the Cam Newton year, what, five, six years ago, and, and they, that team felt, hey, you know, Cam Newton, you know, he's got to adjust in the Auburn offense. That's a one read offense. He's got to sit for a full year. And quarterbacks who thrive on improvisation and are playmakers should play right away because those quarterbacks have to kinda of learn on the job, make mistakes and get better at improvising, just like Cam Newton did, just like I think Josh Allen or Baker Mayfield would and then there's quarterbacks who are mentally ready to go, like Josh Rosen, um, who's mentally there. And then there's quarterbacks who just need mental development. I think Sam Darnold's one of those guys where it's, it's all going to be there. He just needs time to kind of mentally process what he's seeing. So I think for Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield, let them go make mistakes. Let them throw 15 interceptions their first year. They've got to go do that. They don't need to sit for any reason. Whereas Sam Darnold, I think he needs a year to kind of gather himself. He's still a very young kid. Um, still needs a lot of kind of digesting from that California-USC offense to whatever NFL team he's going to be with. I think that teams feel that he's got to sit for a year. And it's not a bad thing to sit for a year. Just because a quarterback needs to sit for a year doesn't mean he's behind other quarterbacks. I think it's kind of a misnomer nowadays. So I think Sam Dahl is the best quarterback in this class, and I think he should sit for a year or almost a year like Pat Mahomes did.
1: Jet fans have kind of narrowed their focus down to Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield, mostly because they think Sam Darnold's going one and they want nothing to do with Josh Allen. How valid are the concerns about Josh Rosen's concussion history and his injury concerns? I I think a lot of the the off-the-field stuff is a little overblown with him and not something that I think anyone should be really concerned about with Rosen, but how real are those injury and durability concerns?
0: Yeah, you know, real quick on the character – I don't think it's going to be an issue. I've written before that it may be an issue and that teams are having that discussion. And I think one thing that happens in the media sometimes is we, we trans, you know, transition from teams having a discussion about a guy to teams disliking a guy. And it would be an inaccurate job by NFL teams to not meet Josh Rosen, see that he's willing to challenge what's going on. He's willing to speak up about issues. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's a discussion they want to have. And you know, the question for Josh Rosen's character and what I've always brought up is what happens when, He has a game in the fourth quarter. His receiver drops two passes, and they lose the game. Is he going to blame himself or the receiver? I think he blames himself, right, what any good quarterback would do. But teams are asking those questions, I think, understandably so. I think in terms of injury stuff, it's a real concern for some teams, and teams are very worried about it, but not because they are not going to take him, but because they have to prepare that when they take him or if they want him. They've got to deal with that kind of stuff. And that's more of a, of a management thing. But no team's going to not take Josh Rosen because of that concussion issues that I've ever heard, and I've asked teams about that directly. But I will say that teams that do like him, Buffalo Bills, Jets, all these teams, have done their homework to say, okay, when he's in here, how do we prevent this from being an issue moving forward?
1: What are the odds that a team leapfrogs the Jets at number two, whether it's Denver, whether it's Buffalo, whether it's a team we're not thinking of right now? How likely, it is, how likely is it the Giants stay put at number two or back out of that spot?
0: Yeah, you know, the Bills have been trying. Um, I
1: reported back in December of, uh, of 2017 now
0: that um, the Bills were looking to up for a quarterback. This was their plan all year long. They love Josh Rosen. They like Josh Allen. They are kind of they were split last I've heard about which quarterback they like more, but those are the two guys I've been told they like, and maybe Baker Mayfield's in that mix now, but as of December, January, those are the two guys, and they have made plenty of calls to the New York Giants. The Giants, and Dave, Dave gentleman has... A very little history of trading in the draft. Um, he has rarely traded down. A year ago, he probably could have got a couple more picks for the spot they took Christian McCaffrey when he was in Carolina, and he opted to stay put. And Dave Gettleman has said outright that he believes that Saquon Barkley or Bradley Chubb are great players. He does. He wants to stay at number two overall. I think he'd be naive to turn that stuff away from Buffalo. But I think it's going to come down to will Buffalo drastically overpay? I think the Jets trade looks bad at, at three second round picks, move up a couple spots, and then moving up for a quarterback. That's a great decision. The Buffalo Bills have to give up a lot more than that. And I think the more the Giants say no, and with Gettleman's history of saying no, even when it's obvious to trade down, that's why the Bills are really in a pickle here. Because the obvious, Sean McDermott, former defensive coordinator for Dave Gettleman, the head GM of the New York Giants, is a match there. They're friendly. McDermott has obviously, I've been told many times, called Gettleman about that trade. But Gettleman has proven he doesn't have to trade. He doesn't want to trade. And that makes Buffalo lose his leverage battle. So Buffalo might have to give up even more first-round picks than most teams have in recent years to get the quarterback they want.
1: All right, before we let you go, have to do at least one very brief mock draft. As it stands today, how are the top five picks in the 2018 NFL draft going to play out?
0: Yeah, uh, number one overall pick will be Sam Darnold. Uh, number two overall pick, I believe the Giants will stay put. Um, I'm flip-flopping, but I believe, as of right now, I've been told the Giants likely to stay put, and I believe they'll take Saquon Barkley, number two overall. The New York Jets at number three, I'll say it's Baker Mayfield. Number four, the Browns get lucky. They'd love if Saquon Barkley fell to four. If not, I think the Bills or some team trades up for Josh Rosen or Josh Allen. And the Denver Broncos at five, surprisingly, don't go quarterback. Go Quentin Nelson and kind of build this team to hopefully win a playoff game.
1: All right, Eric, thank you for taking the time for joining us. Everyone, make sure to go follow Eric on Twitter at Optimum Scouting. And uh, it should be a wild uh, first round. Obviously, you know, a lot of excitement here in New York with the Giants at two and the Jets at three. So hopefully we can connect after the draft and uh, talk about how it all shakes out.
0: Can't wait, man. Appreciate it, man.